Welcome to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. Our guest today, Jessica Simpson, is a professional disruptor. She's going to talk to us about how burning out at work led her to start the 10K Collective, where she helps corporate executives who've been promoted to a point of isolation cope with the corporate work environment. All right, guys, we are here with Jessica Simpson, and welcome, Jessica. How are you? I am well, thank you. So, Jessica, tell the good folks that are listening to the Corporate Quitters podcast who you are and what is it that you're doing to make an impact in the world? (laughs) Um, Well, thanks for the chance to share. Um, I like to say that I am a professional disruptor, a defier of odds, and a certified coach for BIPOC and queer leaders in the corporate world. And uh, the company that I founded is called 10K Collective. It was inspired by an Oprah adapted Maya Angelou quote that says, I come as one, I stand as 10,000. Wow, now that is powerful. For those who don't know what BIPOC is, can you give us some insight as to what that is? Yes, BIPOC means Black, Indigenous, and people of color. So it's my Black and Brown folks and other uh, people of color as well. So the 10K Collective is designed to help the underserved community navigate uh, the corporate landscape, I guess. Is that a good summary? Yeah, the intention is first and foremost, just to provide a space where underrepresented folks, um, particularly black, brown and queer, where they can be seen and heard, valued and validated, if if nothing else, because so often that's not happening at work. Um, And then I also offer coaching and workshops and cohort packages, um, cohort programs Uh, where we can come together and sort through how do we deal with when work and the world is unkind to us. Ah, okay. So now, in order for you to have created a program and a package like this, there's always a backstory, right? There's always that superhero (laughs) journey. Because right now, and I say superhero, and I don't mean that lightly. I think that what you're doing, uh, you are kind of a superhero because this is a much needed forum for those of us who feel underrepresented and underserved. So how did it all start? Mm, um, I think like a lot of people, I created what I needed when I was in that place. Um, So the backstory is uh, I'm a first generation college grad Uh, My grandparents came here from Mexico, worked manual labor jobs their entire life, Um, nine children in a one bedroom house. Um, And my mom was a teenager when she had me. Uh, My father spent his life in prison. So for me, like being the first to make it, (laughs) you know, I'm using my, my air quotes, being the first to make it. Um, was both kind of a gift and the curse uh, because I, I kept moving up in my career and I thought, you know, I was doing the thing I was supposed to do. I was working harder and doing more and getting the good job that was going to provide me security. Um, but what happened is I got promoted to this point of isolation 
and where there was nobody like me around the table anymore. And I always felt like keeping that seat at the table was conditional upon uh, my ability to assimilate. And so, and the higher up I went, the harder it got, <laughs> um, the lonelier and lonelier I became. And there just wasn't the opportunity to talk about the experience I was having as that first, as that only, as that defier of odds. Um, nobody around me at work, you know, nobody sitting around that table got it. And so I think like a lot of people, I created what I needed at that time, what I wish there would have been for me. So how did you go about creating what you needed? <laughs> um, it took it took years. <laughs> it took uh, a lot of years and a lot of inner work, kind of this, this inner revolution to get back to um, what I knew was real and true for me. Um, and what I what I did is when I left the corporate world and was kind of unraveling like the belief systems and everything I'd been marinating in during that corporate world that had me get so disconnected from myself, I started to look at like, what were the turning points in my journey? What were the things that I learned, the things that I started practicing, the tools and resources that I developed um, that were helpful to me in my journey? and that were transformational for me. And I ultimately like captured all of that over a period of months and months and months and put it into a, a framework that was replicable that I, could, that I could share with others. So it was, it was literally kind of tracing back through my, the steps in my own journey and finding the points in time that were really transformational and, and what I learned and um, just spending a lot of time like crafting that into a, a framework and a, and a program that could be the foundation for 10K Collective. Are there any moments where you look back and you say, here is a moment where I could have done something to change the entire path? And, and, and if so, what are some of those moments? Because I know we have some other people who are struggling with some of the same things. Yeah. Um, so honestly, like I think it would have been about a decade into my corporate career when I got my first real corporate leadership role. I got promoted to from a regional role into a corporate director position had a multi-department team and it was the first time I was reporting into the C-level and something in my gut knew that that wasn't the right step for me. Something in my gut knew like my intuition, my, I call them our, our whispers of wisdom, like my whispers of wisdom were saying to me, this is not your path, right? This is not the road you're meant to take, but because I'd worked so hard for it and I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Like I thought that's what success meant was climbing the ladder and getting a great job and getting the security, the perceived you know, security and stability that comes with it. I kept going. I wanted to be able to make it better for people who are coming after me. I wanted to have the security and stability to help my family. And so I kept taking more and more corporate leadership roles, even though there was something inside of me that knew it, I wasn't aligned 
with what that job was going to require of me. And so I, I don't do regret. I don't believe in regret. I don't believe in, in, um, in that. I just believe in learning from it. But when I, when I look back, there was a point in time about 10 years in, in my career, when I knew I was on the path that I wasn't meant for, and I kept going anyway. Ah, now, do you think it had something to do with passion and purpose? We hear people talk about that a lot. And were you not following your passion and purpose? Or is there something bigger here that we're missing? Ooh, so that's a good question. I think a part of it is that for a lot of my career, I was being driven by fear. I didn't know it, but I remember, so I'll, I'll share a story. I remember I'm the, um, I'm the oldest of six kids in total, four of us by, by my mom. And for a good part of my life, my, my mom was a single parent. She traveled really heavily for work. And so we had a deal. She said, one of us has to go like make the money and support the family. And one of us has to help take care of the house and kids. You're not old enough to go get a job. So you, you got to help like with the house, right? With the house and kids. And while she was gone, um, her checks would come in and I would balance the checkbook and pay the bills and pay the rent and go get groceries and put gas in the car and pick up her dry cleaning and do all that stuff. And I remember like being about 14 and doing that one payday and realizing that with her check coming in, there wasn't enough money to pay everything I was supposed to pay. And I was trying to figure out, like, I know I need to go get groceries. I know, you know, the kiddos, like everybody needs food this week and I'm supposed to do these other things and there's not enough money. So I, I had this acute awareness, like during that time and kind of coming up of the stress of not having enough money of, you know, not having health insurance, not being able to go to a doctor when we're sick, not being able to get a prescription when we need it. And so I, I think the, the stress of that struggle propelled me in my corporate career. So I was making decisions from a place of wanting to avoid what I'd experienced as a kid and thinking, you know, that corporate was the way to provide security, to provide stability for me and to allow me to help my family. So I wish I could say that I was wise enough and in touch enough with myself to have been driven by purpose at that point in time. But I don't think I was. I think I was driven by fear. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of us, that is how we make decisions. A lot of us have experienced things and we don't want to go back to that or we want better for ourselves or for our family. And we do, we take jobs where we're being paid and compensated, maybe a fair wage, maybe not, <laughs> but we're being compensated more money than we've ever made. And it looks yep. good because it provides us with a false sense of security. Um, and, and it's one of those things, what's the movie uh, Office Space? I don't know if you've ever seen Office Space. <laughs> right, uh, right. You know, when you, you know, when they're driving into work each day and they're just like, oh, God, yeah. but they get a check at the end of the week. Um, and, and I think there's something to be said about having a job that you are passionate about and, and, and having a purpose that's bigger than you. Um, now, you, you, <laughs> you said something earlier about um, climbing the corporate ladder. And when you got to the top, 
you you essentially talked about how it was lonely at the top. Um, and now you're talking about how you created a, a sense of security for yourself uh, when you got to the top. So I'm assuming you built a tribe. Uh, talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, during the time when I was in my corporate role, that's actually probably one of the biggest mistakes I made is I, I didn't do a good job of creating a tribe. And it's really hard to do when you're working 60, 70 hours a week, you know, and you're in back-to-back -back meetings all day long, Monday through Friday, you don't even start doing your work until you get through all of your meetings every day, you know, and you're working at night and on the weekends, like it's really hard to be thinking about building a network or building a tribe outside of work because you're so busy just trying to keep up with, with the work. And I think women in particular, you know, we, we do this a lot more than men. We don't take the time, you know, to, to lift our head up and build relationships. And um, I think that's, that's another part of what inspired me with 10K Collective. Again, kind of looking back to what did I not have that I needed when I was in that space? I didn't have a tribe. You know, I didn't have my 10,000, the people who could lift me up and support me and encourage me and guide me and mentor me and help me keep going when I was really isolated in my own company. Well, and I think sometimes it's, it's hard when you don't have people who haven't had your same experience. Uh, hearing your story about being the oldest of, uh, what did you say, six siblings? There's six of us in total. Yeah, six four total, of us that grew up with my mom. Wow. You know, <laughs> not, not many people have the experience of growing up having to decide between which medicine are you going to buy and for which child, right? Especially for people who are higher in the corporate ranks. And sometimes you want to be able to talk to someone that, have, that has had your same life experiences. Uh, so absolutely. Do, yeah, that, that's important. You're in this corporate workspace and you're doing good work, but struggling to really reconcile what you're doing to what you're feeling. So what what was that moment when you just said, you know, I got to quit. Oh, quit. This is it. <laughs> you know, I'm done um, there. And there may be a, a, a series of defining moments. But can you talk to us about that? Yeah, there was a particular moment that kind of set it all in motion, even though I didn't execute on it right in that moment, there, there was a turning point. Um, and it was, so I was, I was living in New York at the time, my schedule was booked solid for the next six weeks straight, like meetings on top of meetings, double booked. I have no space in my calendar whatsoever for six weeks. And I had a lunch hour doctor's appointment. I had one hour to get to the doctor's office and back to get some lab results in New York. And so in New York, so I, 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 you know, jump on the train, I run to the doctor's office. I'm sitting in her office waiting for my lab results. I'm doing email at the time and responding to texts. Like, you know, she's running 15 minutes behind. I'm like, come on, you know, I got things to do. <laughs> it's very much a New York pace. Um, and, and she comes in and, and she says, um, I want to talk to you about your lab results. Um, I'm putting you out on medical leave starting today. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean medical leave? You know, and I start panicking, right? Like freaking out. Like, what are you talking about? 
And she's like, you know, I've been telling you for two years that you are getting sicker and sicker and like your body is literally shutting down. You can't keep doing what you're doing. Something has to change or you're going to get to the point where you don't have the option of working anymore. You are this far away from a chronic stress-induced disease. I don't know which one it's going to be, but you are this far away and it may be something from which you can't recover. So she put me out on eight weeks of emergency medical leave starting that day. And she basically, you know, told me to like go home and think about my life <laughs> and, wow. and like decide was work worth it for what it was doing to me. And um, I was hot at the time. Like I was so angry with her because <laughs> I was like, you don't understand. I can't do this. I have a team. I have deadlines. I have all these things I got to do. Like, this is not going to go well for me to just not be able to, you know, go back to work, like totally unplanned. Like you are making more problems for me. And, you know, she was like, I just hope at some point in time in the future, like you'll look back on this and understand, like I'm doing this out of care and concern for you. Like you really need to get well. And she was right. Like my body was totally, totally breaking down, um, but I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to face it. I wanted her to just like, give me some supplements or, you know, give me some treatment that was going to fix it so that I could keep going, keep doing what I was doing. Well, and I think that's, that's most of us. We want to do the best that we can on the job and we feel like we're letting others down. So now when you, when you took a step back, and started taking care of yourself. Uh, talk to us about that road to recovery. Ooh, um, I think one of the first things that happened is I realized how exhausted I was. Um, once I had a little bit of space in my day, I realized that, um, that my body hurt. <laughs> you know, I realized that I was exhausted. Um, I tell people that I, I was externally successful and internally bankrupt, mm -hmm. um, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually bankrupt. And suddenly not having work there to fill 60, 70 plus hours a week and keep me occupied all the time forced me to face how disconnected I was from myself and how unfulfilled I was with the work I was doing. And um, like a lot of people, that's when I found meditation <laughs> um, across from the street uh, or across the street from my apartment in New York, there was a meditation studio. And so I used to just go and drop in every day and sit in meditation and um, I found a teacher to start studying with and uh, through getting back in touch with my own thoughts, my own emotions, my own body, I started being able to trust like my innate wisdom and the messages I was getting. And one of the things I kept hearing or one of the thoughts that kept coming to mind was like, your job is keeping you small. Your job is keeping you small. And I was like, this is so inconvenient. I don't know what to do with this. Like, <laughs> that's nonsense. I worked hard for this. I'm 20 years in. What are you talking about? This is the only thing I know how to do. It's not my job is keeping me small. Okay, fine. I'll change jobs. <laughs> <You know? 
thought that was going to be the solution, but that's kind of where it all started was just listening to learning how to listen to my mind, my body, and my emotions and take the wisdom that those things offer instead of like in the corporate world, we get so trained, so conditioned to ignore our thoughts, our body, our emotions, right? To shut all of that down because you can't function like a robot. You can't perform at that level. You can't work those kind of hours and have those back-to-back meetings and keep that demanding schedule and deal with all of the emotional labor and all the isms that come up in, in the corporate world unless you shut yourself down. And so like for me, one of the first steps was like starting to open up all of my innate wisdom again and starting to listen to it as scary as it was, as, as anxiety inducing as it was, I had to get real with myself about what was true for me. Yeah. And I think, I think your, your body will tell you when it needs a break, but by the time you get to that point, you really need a break because you are broken. Um, yep. Burnout is is real, and we often ignore it. But I think, too, yep. to your point, the, the corporate sector, you kind of shut down your emotions because you're expected to be this robot and show up and perform. But that's not who we are, and that's not how we operate. Yep. Oh, wow. That's... Um, yeah. That's pretty powerful. So you were forced <laughs> to take care of yourself. Yes, I yeah. was forced. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, we are glad that you recovered from that. Me too. So now, <laughs> let's let's talk about the recovery because the recovery has gotten us to the 10K Collective, where yeah. we can prevent other people from going through some of this. So what what is the what is the, the signature program at the 10K Collective that people need mm. to know about? <laughs> so the, the signature program at 10K Collective is called the Unapologetic Reclamation Experience. And it is, I know. <laughs> Sorry, I had to sit and, up at attention there. Hold on. <laughs> Let me get myself together. That was, whoa. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And it is all about unapologetically reclaiming all of the parts of our of ourselves that we silence, that we leave at the, the proverbial door. Um, when we, when we do our jobs, it's the way that we change our name, the way we speak, the way we dress, the way we wear our hair. It is the way the, the stories and the, the background, the experiences, the richness and, and beauty of us that we don't get to bring in a lot of these corporate spaces. It's about reclaiming that and tapping into our whispers of wisdom, learning how to, to read and decipher and work with those whispers of wisdom so that they can guide you um, so that you so that you don't have to get to the point that I did. So after completing this program, what can I expect? So I, I come in <laughs> somewhat broken and or curious, hopefully not broken, but maybe just curious. What can I expect to be and do and see afterwards? 
Yeah. Um, so my ultimate goal is freedom. That what will happen is people will become free within themselves. So I say I want people to get free on four levels. I want them to have freedom within, freedom without, freedom of direction, and freedom of expression. So the freedom within is freedom within ourselves, right? And I say us, ourselves, because I took myself through this process before I put it into a framework for anybody else. And I am still constantly practicing the things that I teach in the program. So freedom within ourselves, freedom without dominant culture's thoughts. <laughs> there is a Krishnamurti quote that I love, and he says, um, you think you are thinking your thoughts. You are not. <laughs> you are thinking the culture's thoughts. And it's so hard to get to freedom of direction and freedom of expression when you've been marinating in dominant culture's thoughts and you think they're your own. So we got to get free within ourselves. We got to get free without dominant culture's thoughts, thinking that they're ours. And that allows us to free up um, the direction we want to head in, both the path and the destination that we're after. That's, again, part of where I went astray is I had somebody else or um, just kind of this uh, misperception about what success was. So I wasn't free to determine my own direction because I was so influenced by what I was learning in the corporate world. And then finally, once we get freedom of direction, then we have freedom of expression. And this doesn't mean that this doesn't mean I say whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, unfiltered. It means that you are free to express the full brilliance and capability of who you are and that you're actually valued for it instead of having it um, instead of having it uh, minimized, which is what happens in the corporate world. So that's the goal is, is freedom, to be honest, freedom within, freedom without, freedom of direction and, and freedom of expression. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it's really all about changing oneself. You're not trying to create an army of folks that are going to go out and change the corporate workforce, but if each individual changes and becomes the best version of themselves, then maybe we can spread that throughout the corporations. You know, change starts <laughs> yes. within first, right? So am yes. I getting that right? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, there's an old bell hooks quote uh, where, where she says, um, you know, if you're effed up and you lead a revolution, you're gonna have an effed up revolution. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> right? So, and, 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 the inner revolution precedes the outer one, right? That has to come first. So um, yeah, I take a lot of inspiration from, from reading you know, leaders from a generation past. And uh, there's so much wisdom that is, is relevant today. Uh, so what I want is to support and guide people through that inner revolution that fuels and sustains the outer one that they're up to in this world. But the, the reality is, you know, there's a lot of things that are not right out there, mm -hmm. you know, in our, in our country, in our systems and institutions, in our organizations, but we need to be okay right now in spite of all that, right? In spite of the world and work not being okay, we need to be okay. And I just discovered in my own journey, I was waiting for my boss, my job, the corporate world to fix things 
right? To create the safety I needed or to value and validate me. And I thought, well, if I'm not getting it here, then I'll just change jobs. And then I would change companies or, you know, whatever, like looking for someone to give that to me. And in 20 years, it never happened. (laughs) So, you know, one of my realizations is like, no, I have to create that for myself within myself, because when I do that can't be taken and it's independent of my situation or circumstance. Well, and I think that's the big misconception that we have, because if you think about traditional relationships, it is a give and a take. And you're involved with someone, whether it be friends, family, or a significant other that you believe has your best interest at heart. And so if you take care of them, they're going to take care of you. But when it comes to the world of work, you take care of them and they take more and more. And and I'm not saying anything is bad about that. That is just the way the workforce is set up. And if you don't understand that, you walk into it with a misconception about it and, and you will end up burning out. But but yeah, it's absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that was the misperception I have that it was reciprocal. Yes. And that, you know, if I do these things and I deliver on these objectives, that that earns me some type of safety, some type of stability, some type of security. So then when it's like, what do you mean you're restructuring and, you know, (laughs) half the positions in my team are getting, getting eliminated? What do you mean? you know, my role is getting eliminated and I can reapply for one of these open roles after I've been here for all these years, you know, what do you mean? That's not how this deal works, right? Like I didn't read the fine print. I didn't know that, yes, that actually is how it works. (laughs) Absolutely. And so this is why the 10K Collective is so very important. So now tell our listeners, how can we get in touch with you if we want to learn more about it? Yeah. So the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Um, I'm also on Clubhouse and love connecting with folks there. And they can feel free just to um, message me, you know, just hit me up in the inbox on on LinkedIn. And here's what I would say, folks, go watch some of her videos. (laughs) Go go watch them. Uh, You will be inspired, intrigued. just go watch them and, and you'll do like me and you'll say, whoa, whoa, that was my, <laughs> that was my response to the one from this morning. But um, I, <laughs> I want to thank you for being here. Um, I think we covered a lot, but any last words, I'll leave you with a last word if you have one for our audience. I would say um Maybe a final thought is to all of the firsts, the onlys and the defiers of odds in the corporate world feeling isolated. You may be an only, but you are not alone. And that's a great way to end it. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. If you like us, tell everybody you know. Better yet, Head on over to the iTunes store and leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds. I can do it with my eyes closed and both hands tied behind my back. So what are you waiting for? If you want to talk to us, leave us a voice message. You might be featured on the show. Check the link in the show notes. Want to carry us wherever you go? Check out the merch on our website. Get your I quit, old quit, or just plain quit stuff there. 
If you really, really like us, you can become a monthly contributor for less than a cup of coffee. Link is in the show notes. And last but not least, quit those limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And we're out. <laughs>